Radio Mano Papachango. Chris and fellow tangentially speaking listeners, my name is Sam. I'm coming to you from a slung hammock. It's about 11 o'clock on a Saturday night. I am uh, right between Kendrick Mountain and Mount Humphreys, right near Flagstaff, Arizona. And I'm laying here, and uh, Chris, I just wanted to say the things that you've written and the words that you speak have uh, done a lot for me and a very interesting time in my life let's call it that's kind of where everybody's at but uh you know given the circumstances of recent history but uh regardless i just wanted to say thank you for what you do and keep doing what you're doing everybody else out there stay cool hello chris and fellow tangent dentalists um this is josh in michigan here i'm calling him with a sort of a covid psa for all you uh travelers out there i think One thing that unites most of the tangentially speaking listeners is we all like to travel. Um, I've had travel plans put off by COVID for a long time now, and it looks like the um, restrictions are probably going to come back in some way at least. And other countries definitely have stronger restrictions for getting into the countries and such. So this summer I decided to try to find interesting places around where I live, um, to kind of get that sense of adventure, but places that I would never have heard of. And uh, that led me down a rabbit hole of finding out um, my state in Michigan had been basically entirely logged to build Detroit and Chicago and Milwaukee and these other cities. And it was until the CCC replanted, uh, replanted the trees. It was basically, you know, an apocalypse. And, uh, what I found interesting is that there's probably about 200 acres of old growth forests spread out across the state and it's pretty hard to find. So I've been spending my weekends getting lost in the country, driving down dirt roads, trying to find these places. And, um, I also found a place I'd never even knew we had in Michigan, which was native American, uh, petroglyphs. And it's been very fun. It's, it's been a fun adventure in my own local area. And it kind of reminds me that, we are already living in the post-apocalyptic world. Um, and there's only the tiniest glimpses of the world that existed before the apocalypse of the conquest. Uh, anyways, much love. And I hope all my listeners or all other listeners out there are doing well too. Bye. Thank you, Josh. Thank you, Sam. Hope everything's uh, going well in that hammock. Uh, and that's a good lesson. It's true. Um, as shit gets shut down, you can look closer to home. That's one of the reasons I do this van trip every year. It's just, there's so much to see in the U.S. And if you're listening from Canada or Australia or wherever you are, there's amazing stuff all around. So, yeah, I don't know. What's that expression? You make a silk purse from a pig's ear or something like that? Um yeah, you use what you got, right? And uh, try to 
turn things to to our advantage. And one of the ways of doing that is to focus closer to home. Now, of course, I say that to you from Guatemala. But, I mean, in a strange way, that exemplifies what we're talking about. I, I was planning to be in Spain at this point, but I, I got the feeling that things were shutting down in Europe and I needed to be back in the U.S. in early November and um, so it's just the, the numbers didn't make sense flying all the way to Europe. Um, and so that's why I'm in Guatemala. So it is kind of closer to home. It's a lot closer to home. It's a four hour flight rather than a 18 hour flight. So that's a lot closer to home if you're on the West coast of the U S anyway, greetings from Antigua, Guatemala. Interesting place. Lots of history here. I read a book last time I was here. The only other time I was here was in 1989. That was the trip when the scorpion stung me. Most of you have heard that story. If not, you can hear me tell it. I I think the best uh, way to hear that story is on a podcast called Risk. Um, I forget what episode it is, but if you Google Risk podcast... Uh, I think it was called The Great Hereafter was the episode, uh, or just my name. It'll come up. Uh, basically, I told the story. It's one of those storytelling podcasts like The Moth, you know. Um, there are a couple others. Anyway, I told the story, and um, they edited the story. All these long pauses I tend to do while I'm trying to figure out what I'm talking about. Edited all that out. They added some sound effects. Um, it's really good, really well done. Uh, I wish I sounded like that all the time. And um, so that's the best place to hear the story. Anyway, that was in 1989. And most of you are thinking, geez, I wasn't even born then. Well, I was. I was 27 years old. And um, that was at the end of a trip that started in New York City. I had gone back to New York. I don't know if I've told this story. I need to go back to those Tomas and keep going with those. Anyway, I had I had that job in New York in the Diamond District. And I know I've done a Toma about that. And then I quit that job, went to Asia, um, had that crazy experience where I left all my money in the hotel, uh, which I know I've also told, I think that might be the last story I told on the Toma series in the Toma series. Um, anyway, had all sorts of adventures in India and Nepal and Thailand and Indonesia. And then, uh, I was lured back to New York by my former boss who was, constructing an apartment building in Hell's Kitchen, which is the west side of Manhattan, sort of around. It was a weird neighborhood in those days. It was a very rough neighborhood around Port Authority bus station. And Anyway, uh, I went back there. I, I did that job. It was a very strange job, all sorts of things to tell you about that. But at the end of that, I quit that job as well, super unhappy. It was one of these things where from outside, it it seemed like the best job you could possibly have. I was getting paid a shit ton of money. I had basically no responsibilities. 
my boss, I didn't even see my boss more than once a week, and that was normally over dinner. Um, there was no one checking up on me. I could just sit around and read or write or do whatever. I just needed to be on the job site, on the this construction site. I was his representative. So if the architect had a question or the, the contractors had a question or there was a city inspection or something like that, I was the guy to talk to and I would just sort of coordinate things. And if there was something I couldn't handle, then I would call the owner. But I was sort of there to filter so he wasn't getting called 10 times a day. And uh, so I had a lot of autonomy. It was awesome. I was miserable. And I'll talk about that when I do the Toma. But anyway, I quit that job and I decided I was going to travel over the overland the entire length of Mexico. So I flew to uh, El Paso, Texas. And I walked across the bridge over the Rio Grande to Ciudad Juarez and thus began my trip through Mexico. Um, started in Chihuahua. I went down to the Barranca del Cobre, which is like the Grand Canyon. Went to the bottom of that to a place named Bato Pilas. Hung out with these Indians. I was introduced to them by an anthropologist. Uh, oh my God, there's so many stories there. Anyway, why am I telling? Oh, so I did this whole trip through Mexico and got to uh, Guatemala at the end of the trip. And of course, that's when I was stung by the scorpion and got hepatitis and blah, 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 blah. You've heard the story. If not, risk. Uh, that's the last time I was here. And I was in Antigua and I decided I wanted to learn some Spanish, classic dumbass move. Let's learn Spanish at the end of a nine-month trip through Spanish-speaking countries. Good idea, Chris. You wouldn't want to start your trip by learning the language. Uh, anyway, I was in Antigua taking some Spanish classes, um, and I was reading a book called The Conquest of New Spain by Bernal Diaz. And it's a very interesting book. It's Bernal Diaz was uh, sort of a low-ranking officer in Cortez's army. So he was there for the whole expedition in 1540 or whatever it was, uh, when they, you know, landed and had a couple hundred guys, some dogs, big, horrible war dogs, um, and uh, horses, and they had this crazy serendipitous campaign where they ended up bringing down an empire of tens of thousands of soldiers in the entire Aztec empire. Uh, insane. Anyway, one of the great adventures of the world, of human history, and by great I don't mean wonderful, I mean massive, um, he wrote about it from the perspective of someone who lived it and not a self-aggrandizing Cortez, right? Not This is not Christopher Columbus talking about the voyage. This is some dude working on the ship talking about the voyage. And um, so as I was reading it, it's just an amazing story. And I'm picturing him, you know, back in Spain on his farm, 
And he says at the beginning of the story, I had nothing, I have nothing to leave my children, um, no riches. Uh, the only thing I have is the story of my life, and that's why I'm doing this. And so I'm picturing him, this old man sitting in Spain, telling the story to some, you know, guy who's transcribing it. And uh, as I finished, I remember I finished reading it in a cafe one day here in Antigua. And it was really moving because I'd been in this guy's head for a week or two. And, um, you know, and I'm in the place where the story takes place, right? I'm in Latin America and there are, the, you know, ruins. And the, I mean, he was in the, the um, Yucatan mostly and then into uh, around Mexico City where Tenochtitlan, the Aztec capital was. Um, but Antigua was the capital of Central America um, shortly thereafter. So, you know, a lot of these churches, the ruins of the churches that are around here, um, you know, were built not long after this took place. So I was very, I was feeling very steeped in this thing and picturing him back in Spain. Anyway, I finished the book and I paid my bill and I was walking back to my guest house and I walked by one of these ruins that I had walked by many times and my Spanish was getting a little bit better. And I looked at a plaque on the side of this thing of the ruin and I read it in Spanish and it said in this place Bernal Diaz wrote the book The Conquest of New Spain I was like fuck I pictured him back in Spain he was sitting here a block away from where I was reading it this is where he wrote that book strange a lot of history in this place a lot of spirits in the air I was going to tell you a story about what I was doing on 9-11 20 years ago, but I think I'll save that for another time because I'd look at the clock here and I've already been talking for 10 minutes and I guess that's enough. This episode is a really good one. It makes me feel really good to bring this to you. This is a couple, um, Owen and, and Christina, who are doing a thing they call the giving experiment and basically they're a Canadian couple in their 30s they've got five kids and you'll hear them tell the story but the basic outlines of it are that they were raising their kids in Canada and shit just started to feel wrong and Rather than doing what most of us do when shit feels wrong, stick it out and, you know, find a way to muddle through, they did something that took an amazing amount of courage, which is to say, this feels wrong, we're going to change it. We're going to do something radically different. We're going to take our five kids and leave this comfortable life this externally comfortable life this life that looks comfortable from outside but feels uncomfortable for some reason on the inside and we're gonna go to Guatemala and we're gonna let our kids see an entirely different kind of life 
an entirely different experience of what life is and what death is. We're going to rent a little house with a leaking roof by the side of a lake under a volcano, and we're going to try to make a go of it. So that's what they did, and that's where I met them, totally serendipitously. In fact, Anya and I were running in the rain to go to this restaurant and ran past this couple. I'm wearing a rain hat, raincoat, mask over my face, you know, glasses. Run by this guy, this couple, and the guy says, hey, uh, are you Chris? I'm like, how the fuck would you know I'm Chris? You can't even see me. You can't hear me. It's not my voice. It's not my face. Turns out I was wearing these orange pants. And he had seen those pants on my Instagram feed the day before. And didn't know who I was. A friend of his listens to the podcast. uh, Solange. Shout out to Solange. And she said, hey, you should meet this guy. They're having a get together at this bar. Anyway, you'll hear the story. He recognized me by my pants. So we stopped. We talked a little bit. Uh, while it was pouring rain, we found a little place, a little shelter, talked for a few minutes, and then I looked them up on the two of them up on Instagram and saw what they were doing, read some of their blog, and was like, these people are awesome. They're brave. I mean, just having five kids, that's already way past any kind of courage quotient that I've got. And then taking those kids on the road and saying, you know what? We're not going to give up our lives. You you hear this all the time. If you have kids, your life is no longer yours, right? It's your kid's life now. You have to give everything to your kids. You have to make all your decisions. And in some ways, they're doing that. In, In a lot of ways, they came to Guatemala because they want their kids to have authentic experiences that they didn't feel that they were having in Canada. But... Also, it was for them because when you're a parent, if you're a wise parent, you recognize that you need to be happy. You need to be fulfilled. And if you sacrifice your fulfillment for your children, you're really not doing them any favors. That's as close to parental advice as I will get being a non-parent. I know how obnoxious that is. Anyway, enough of that. This song coming up is also special. Somebody sent me a link just yesterday on Instagram. This guy said, hey, this woman lives in a van. She's awesome. I think you'd like this song. And I played it and I listened to it and I do. I like it a lot. Uh, It's it's awesome. And it definitely expresses some sentiments that align well with this podcast in general and this episode specifically. The woman's name is Harley Barton. The song is called Rapunzel. You all know the story about Rapunzel. But listen to the, I'll just read a little bit of the the lyric. It's really beautiful. And Harley wrote the song and performs it. She wanted to see the world with her own eyes and the flesh of her mind. She wanted to see art come to life on her skin, in her ears, in her life. 
It might still be dark outside and you're not awake to the ideas inside my heart trying to break. She wanted to change the world with her thoughts, her voice, and her dreams. She wanted to change the rules so life's finally fair. It might still be dark outside and you're not awake to the ideas inside my heart trying to break. Away, suffocate from staying in one place. The crown lost and found is in my hands now. I run from my tower ready to breathe. I might be naive, but I think that I'm finally free. It goes on from there. Beautiful, beautiful song. This is Harley Barton. Apparently she lives in a van. You can check her out. She's on Instagram. H-A-R-L-E-Y-B-A-R-T-O-N. Her music is available on Bandcamp. Uh, Name your price. In other words, she's just offering it to anyone who wants it. Um, She's 20. Very young. My God, Harley. Anyway, check her out. It's also on all the streaming services, Spotify and whatever the rest of them. Um, But if you like the song or her other songs, I hope you'll throw a few bucks in the hat and uh, give her something to put some gas in the van. All right, this is Harley Barton, Rapunzel. And uh, the episode is with The Giving Experiment. And uh, you can find them on, let's see, thegivingexperiment.com. Yeah. Thanks. Bye.
San Marcos de la Laguna, I think yeah. they call it, right? Which is on uh, Lake Atitlan in Guatemala. And I'm with Christina and Owen, who recognized me by my pants. That was the first. That was the first thing I was going to mention. <laughs> Your pants are a beacon. <laughs> and, uh, you notice I haven't taken them yeah. off. Uh, yeah, I, I tend to travel pretty light, so I have two pairs of pants. You wear the first one until you cannot possibly wear them any longer, and then you reluctantly move on to your second pair. That's perfect. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's funny, I, uh, Anya and I took a boat over to San Pedro, uh, which is another village on the lake, and we're running through the rain, and we passed this couple on the street in the rain, and... Owen turns around and says, wait, are you Chris? I was like, how the fuck do you recognize me? I've got on a raincoat, a mask, because of the, you know, COVID mask, uh, a hat, like, I'm I'm as incognito as I could possibly be, and the pants are what gave me away. That's, that was the only thing. I actually probably wouldn't have recognized you if it was just your face. (laughs) Exactly, that's right. That's funny. Um, anyway, so uh, we chatted very briefly. You talked a little bit about what you were doing here, and I looked you guys up on Instagram, and I thought, wow, this is really an interesting thing you're doing. It's called the Giving Back Experiment? The Giving Experiment. The Giving yeah. Experiment. Okay, so talk about the origins of this. Well, how did you land on that name? Um, that's, that's, how did I land on that name? I don't know. I was just trying to come up with a domain name, and I was like, The Giving Experiment, because we were starting this blog, and it's like, the, well, let's go back to the origins first, though, like, what what kick-started us into mm. starting yeah. the blog to begin with. Yeah, it's a Do good place wanna... to start. So you guys are living in Canada. Yeah, we're living in Canada. We live at the base of a beautiful ski resort in a ski chalet and we're we're living there pretty much to provide our kids with the opportunity to ski and snowboard. So we've got them out of school, and they're just skiing and snowboarding. It's You're like homeschooling them? Loosely, yeah, uh-huh. yeah, 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 yeah. Trying to provide them with ways to learn, right? You know, get the basics down of what they need for math and, right. and writing, but giving them the experiences that uh, we feel are really important to develop into adults that can actually function in the world. So letting them loose on a mountain where they have to get themselves off a cliff on their own. Mm. Experience-based learning. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Now, did you guys do this? Were you educated in alternative ways? I grew up in Peru in a really rigid um, like military-based school, so completely opposite. And How did that happen? Why were you in Peru? Uh, my parents were missionaries down there. They ran a Bible camp. Um, and, yeah, and it was like the best, the best upbringing I could have 
like just so cool that they had we were about two hours from the camp in the city have you ever been to Peru no no it's a great great place and so we were I was growing up in the city but on the weekends and summers we'd be in this camp and in the highlands right yeah and I wanted to give the kids kind of the same same opportunity to learn Spanish and all that so that was like why we came here but in Canada well yeah you grew up in Peru I grew up in the far north of Canada so I had some similar I would say cultural experiences to Owen's upbringing but in a really different setting in the northwest territories yeah so um not my my whole childhood but very formative years of living up in uh, it's called Baker Lake it's actually the center of Canada and it's about 200 kilometers south of the Arctic Circle and it was just fly in fly out but it really broke down any sort of barriers of what safety should be growing up right mm-hmm. where where the, the line between yeah. life and death was a lot thinner right you saw a lot of death yeah, and, and and a lot of like hunting and yeah, yeah. Not, so people would hunt the caribou and then right. they would put it upside down in front of their house and just to go and take off a piece as they needed it because it's frozen. Yeah, right. Yeah, mm. yeah. Huh. Interesting. So these these very similar but extremely different settings, which I think really helped us understand each other as adults and just how we wanted to raise kids. That's fascinating. Scarcity, I think, is the the common denominator between, like, and seeing poverty and kind of that. And and trauma. Yeah. Yeah. A fair amount of trauma. Yeah. 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 When you say trauma, it's not clear to me whether you're thinking of that as a positive or a negative. Yeah, I think you can remove the positive or negative from it and just look at it as trauma. Right. Yeah. It's like, it, it is what it... It, it is, is what, what it is. <laughs> like, uh, I think we've talked about that kind of thing a lot, just um, what it means to have these these really difficult circumstances without... I mean, when we met you, Chrissy was like, there is a lot of crap here. Like, this is... We're in it, and we've moved to be in it. But um, we talked about that later, because I was like, oh, that sounded really negative. I wasn't coming down on her, but I was like, that we just discussed the conversation. Well, we and... want to be inspiring people. <laughs> <laughs> the first thing I answer you is, oh, there's a lot of shit. And, <laughs> but I don't see it as a bad thing. It's just reality that our, like, case in point, our sons adopted a street dog, and we go into the room this morning, and it's vomited all over the floor. And, and yeah. it's like, it is, it, it is what it is. It's, it's messy. Right. Yeah. yeah. But we want to be, I think you pointed out right away that, that the, um, the, just, yeah, the, the reality of it is that it's not hidden away here. It's like out in the open and there's, there's, there's something very real about just having everything exposed. Like you see, you can, like we walk by this, our neighbors and we see their living area is all outside except for maybe one or two little rooms out of ten, right? And it's just like we say hi to them every time we walk by and they're in their kitchen or they're doing stuff and it's really private stuff that we would we would consider private in, hmm. in Canada, you know, and um, but it's just 
there's this refreshed sense of community and that's what we wanted for our kids to be exposed to. Mm. So we've really found, I think that element that we were both looking for when we first met, um, was like, I wanted to go back to South America. Chrissy was just in the middle. I was like, I woke up on her couch, um, in Rossland and we had just met the day before and she was sounds like a up. successful first date yeah it was not a date her dad introduced us and we were just like I was I think I was actually she's like oh go sleep on the couch <laughs> <laughs> maybe it wasn't so successful <laughs> sorry no that was amazing but I, I woke up and I see this girl packing up all her stuff she was clo- she was folding all her clothes to give away or to sell to move to an orphanage to work in South America and so I was super attracted to that, and I'm like, oh, this girl's awesome, just get to know her a bit, and she landed up moving out with with uh, me and her dad, and... Uh, I'm yeah. going to interject. So, <laughs> my dad offered me a job working for Owen, so that I could make some funds to move to South America. Oh, so and you Owen, and her dad worked together? Me and her dad He rented a room the, yeah. from my dad. Oh, I see. <laughs> yeah. All right. In Alberta. Yeah. In Alberta, yeah. So I was going to work for a few months for Owen. And this was the painting business? Who's yeah. like yeah. an 18-year-old kid, kid with a, a business <laughs> Quote, unquote. that I can work for to make some <laughs> cash. Uh-huh. All right. And he says, well, just just wait for me. Like, you shouldn't move to South America on your own. You don't speak Spanish. Like, I can come with you and and help you out and... And then, well, we were falling in love around that point, and yeah, and then. So, how long ago was this? This was, was fifteen like years 15-ish. ago. Yeah, yeah. We so finally made it. it. We made it to South, well, Central America. That's yeah. The... So then we, we had five kids, and as one does. Yeah, you know. And was that the part of the plan for either or both of you? Uh, I think a plan is, is a challenging one, like. It we're going. Important. We're going for. <laughs> Sounds like trauma. For, for like a, general, a general, positive and negative from a general plan is is. I mean, you don't have five kids losing. by accident, no. unless you're Irish no, Catholic. No. We okay. I'll just back up. When we when we met and got married, um, we eloped in Victoria and then went on this amazing honeymoon trip across Canada <laughs> with. <laughs> A Mexican living in our van with us. And a wiener dog. <laughs> and a wiener dog. <laughs> so we, we, we just like... We... And, and van is is a, a Mazda MPV. Like it's it's a car van. It's yes. the smallest. So wait, how do you end up with a Mexican and a wiener dog on your honeymoon? This is... We eloped. We were working in this coffee shop. We both worked a shift the morning of our wedding in this coffee shop. And... The guy that worked across in this taco restaurant called La Fiesta, we would get a free we'd meal. We'd trade him some of those little tater yeah. tot things. For Mexi fries coffee. for coffee, and we'd just form this friendship. And then we're like, hey, we're, uh, we're, going, we're going on a trip. Do you want to see more of Canada? And he's like, yeah, I do. And so it was like, can you imagine being him, this, this like, just... <laughs> This, doesn't this speak local, doesn't, oh, he doesn't speak English. Like, I, I don't even Spanish, know if he's so working he's a... legally. Like he's just here trying to make some cash, yeah. working at a taco joint, and 
we're like, <laughs> how crazy it. would that be for him to like see the whole country? Right. Like, what yeah. an opportunity. Oh, we just had, yeah. And it, he was such a great friend too. Like we, I think, yeah. um, I think that's something amazing about Chrissy is that, um, it's never been like, Hey, your friend, like he was as much Chrissy's friend on that trip as mine. It wasn't like a third wheel that I was bringing this guy. Although along. you didn't speak Spanish at the time. No, but I just kind of pretend I do. So yeah. it, it, it works. Yeah, it yeah. works. It works. Okay. And the yeah. wiener dog, how does the wiener dog? Natasha. I... Natasha was a very <laughs> special wiener. There's many songs sung about Natasha. She was what, maybe 16 at that point. Yeah. Uh-huh. I bought her in Peru. I she brought no her. She's my childhood dog. Oh, really? In Peru. So. Yeah. Mm. So yeah, her tongue would hang out the side. Of her <laughs> she had no yeah. tooth, so yeah. no, no cage to hold in the tongue. Uh, yeah, yeah. So this is <laughs> we so made it. We this made is it your across honeymoon. Canada. This All right, is our honeymoon. Uh, and nice. we're visiting a friend that's um that's on the east coast, and he's tree planting. And we see this couple that they're the the cooks at this camp, this tree planting camp. And they've got a baby strapped on their back, and we're just like, look out, look at that, like, look how they're doing that, that kid, they're not adjusting their entire life to mm. the child, the child is completely there's no adaptable, like, like, they, they, they're yeah, there's just, no, yeah. yeah, there's no bouncy <laughs> thing, right, you know, or right. like, no those, accessories. Yeah, no yeah. accessories. It's just... Yeah. Well, I got to tell you, that's one of the reasons I wanted to have you guys on the podcast. I looked at your blog page yeah. and I saw... I don't know if you said it explicitly or if I read it into some other stuff that you were saying, but that really interested me that your whole thing is like, um, we want to do this. We have five kids. We're going to do it. It's going to be a win-win for everyone. We're not going to not live our dreams because we have kids. And I think so many people, me included, see those as one or the other. They're mutually exclusive. You can travel or you can have kids. You can be free and take risks and do all sorts of crazy shit or you can have kids. You guys are saying no, that you don't accept the premise of that. Mm, That's really interesting. Yeah, we get that a lot. And that's... um... I think that's our main our main thing right now is just like watching our kids. I'm so proud when I watch Simon have a conversation in Spanish. He's our oldest. I'm so proud when I see them cleaning up dog vomit with me in in this room and it's like it's messy and all that stuff and uh or I see them processing stuff that kids back home wouldn't be processing like Simon he's being asked by his friends to buy them french fries because he's you know he's got money Mm -hmm. and he's like man it's it's a struggle for him to to be and and i don't know what the answers are to all of his his problems that i've kind of you know we haven't we haven't pushed him into but we've we've created a situation where he's going to be encountering those problems and all our kids successively i mean and um and I think that's that's a really cool thing to watch is like it's not up to me to solve those problems for him, but he has a brain and he's gonna be a really cool human because of yeah. because of that. Yeah. So 
Yeah, those are the sorts of situations a lot of us don't encounter until we're, what, in our 20s or, mm-hmm. you know, and, and head off in a, with a backpack. I mean, I was in my 20s the first time I really confronted this, like, wait a minute, I'm, in their eyes, I'm rich? Yeah. Like, hold on. Uh-huh. You know, I remember being in India in this restaurant and there were all these street kids, like, staring at my food not at me not mm-hmm. like hey give me money just yeah. staring at the food on yeah. my plate and i had been living in manhattan before that and i was like accustomed yeah. to like hey you know there are social services and you're probably an addict and it's not my problem and i had all this scar tissue and i looked at these kids and it's like no they're not faking this mm-hmm. this isn't a scam like there's absolutely nothing insincere about their need And suddenly I'm a multimillionaire and I feel helpless. And it was all like, you know, and then I bought a bunch of samosas and took them out on the street and like they were gone in 30 seconds. And then there were 50 people around me, Mm -hmm. like with their hands out looking. And it's like, whoa, whoa, how do I... Yeah. You know, I I still don't think I've worked it out. Yeah. Yeah. So... When you said that, it was really, I think you said something very wise there, which is that it's not my job to, to solve these or answer these questions. I create a situation, or we create a situation in which they're going to confront these sorts of things. It reminded me of some, I don't know who said it, but a great teacher doesn't transmit, understands that his job is not to transmit information. It's to create an environment in which learning takes place. Mm, yeah. Very much. Yeah. Because yeah. you don't know how it's going to go, right? You yeah. don't know what experiences they're going to have. You just know they're going to have them. Mm-hmm. And they're yeah. going to be richer than they would if you were in, you know, a ski resort, I guess. Yeah. And I think our jobs as parents is to hold the space for them when they are confronted with these really big, big issues. issues yeah. And, and mm. be able to just be there to give them a hug. Right. That's it. Like, just hug them for as long as they need you to hug them. And you don't even need to say it's going to be okay. It, it's just like, they'll yeah, figure it out. Sometimes the best thing is just to just say that silence. sucks. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah. Just right. be with them hard. Yeah, yeah. Hard. <laughs> I sometimes think, uh, you know, I'm almost 60. And uh, I, I've said on the podcast before, like, you know, most of the people who listen to this podcast are closer to your age or younger than you. And they're looking for answers. And I often think, for me, the experience of getting older is not finding the answers. When I was young, I thought I'd figure it out. Mm. It's a process of learning that there are some questions that just aren't answerable, and you accept that. And you just move on. You know, so it's... I wonder if that's something that your kids are going to be seeing at a much younger age than other kids do who are raised to think there is an answer to every question. Yeah. Right. There's an answer and there needs to be someone held responsible. Right. Someone's fault. Yeah. 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 Yeah, Something I learned early on when, so we had the two boys first and seeing them fight. It was like, who do, who do I get mad at? And it was like, (laughs) Oh, wait a second. Are you guys okay? And just starting it off with, are you guys okay? Like that, punch looked like it really hurt and i'm sure what happened before the punch probably really hurt are you guys okay and just being a friend you know like mm. being a mother is is just being that like 
asking your kids if they're okay, I think is, is a big thing. Mm. And it's a good one to even remind myself of is just, Mm. are you okay? (laughs) So, and also, are you okay? Because the other thing that has kept me from wanting to have kids is I don't know that I am strong enough to handle that much vulnerability. Mm. Uh, it's 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 a hard thing, yeah. and um, I think all mothers, from my experiences, anything I'm talking about is my experience with my own mother watching Chrissy be a mother. You know, from being just this independent woman to moving into being a mother and being so dependent on her children's emotions like the emotional state of a child really dictates what your emotional state is as a parent and we had a uh, our second child was born with something called imperforate anus where he was born basically without a butthole so the first three years of his life every single day we had to give him an enema and, and like work out this until he was old enough to have this operation to like actually rip him a new one and it was a painful you know we didn't think we'd get through it you know it was just a you know hours a day of working through emotions working through what it was to you know his pain his physical pain and his emotional pain of it and um yeah it's a he you know he doesn't even remember it now and it's, yeah. it's such a such a big thing to watch um, watch you know uh, I think mothers in general they take on this burden of of fault and what we're talking about with fault it's like it's not my it's not my fault what did I do wrong for this to have for him to have been born like this or and just being able to let go of that is. I mean, it's it's a hard thing to do for anyone, I think. Have you found a way to do that? Yeah, maybe at this point because he's better. Mm. But if he was still in it, I'd be like, uh, what do I need to do different? Mm. What do I need to change about myself to bring healing for him? Mm. I think for me, it was these questions of, you know, was I around something toxic was I not eating properly? You know, what... And and it created curiosity for me. I think there is the level of guilt that was involved where it's like, I brought this child into the world and I couldn't do it properly. Mm. I couldn't grow it properly. Mm. Um, But then there's also the curiosity of like, well, how did it happen? I'm so curious. Like, what what creates a birth defect to begin with? But I think I've, I'm, I'm fine with it now. It's. It, I think moving here was really awesome because up until like us moving here, two of our kids had severe eczema in Canada, and it's extremely debilitating. Yeah. So there again, like every day, you're trying to make sure they've got cream on; otherwise, their skin just starts falling apart. And moving it got better. Here, it's just completely healed. Right. So, what do you attribute that to? I think the moisture here. Mm. Yeah. The sun, the moisture, just yeah. the different environment altogether, yeah. yeah. It's not any cleaner here, that's for sure. Yeah. We're like, well, clean. Yeah. Clean is like trauma, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it feels like a theme here. Like these concepts 
aren't what we're told they are. Trauma's not always bad. Clean's not always good, right? I'm sure mm-hmm. you're familiar with the hygiene totally. yeah. hypothesis that yeah. we're actually suffering from our cleanliness and trying to yeah. sterilize things is killing life, good yeah. life, as mm-hmm. well as potentially harmful. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, what I was thinking about the whole, like, you know, the parental vulnerabilities, you've moved your kids. I mean, some people listening to this would say, well... You know, you guys have brought your kids to a place where they're even more vulnerable in some ways. And so you're even more likely to suffer that unique pain of seeing your kid be sick or, you know, dealing yeah. with emotional things that the, that are unfamiliar and shocking and maybe too much for, for little kids in some ways. But you guys seem to be, fearless isn't the word, but courageous in making the decision not to I mean you're the opposite of helicopter parents in that sense right <laughs> yeah. what are you submarine parents I mean, what's the <laughs> where we do they're, they're free roam they have free range <laughs> there's no there's no doubt about it like they yeah. people were terrified that we were like there was a lot of people I shouldn't say everybody but there was a lot of people and relatives and that's like Guatemala you know they Google Guatemala, and it's like, right. oh my gosh. They, all kids the, are going to get kidnapped. All the bad stuff that could happen, and it's like, um, our kids walk up the street to downtown San Juan, and that's why we picked where we live. It's a tiny little, you know, it's small, and everybody knows everybody. I think there's only around 7,000 people there. And they go downtown, and alone like they walk the 11 year old 8 year old and and 5 year old will walk downtown together and there are these three little white kids and they fly their kites and they play with the other kids they've integrated into the community kids will here. ride by on their bikes and say your kid is over there mm-hmm. yeah tuk tuk drivers will drive by and say your kid's over here We'll go by a store and they'll say, where's your kid? <laughs> like, donde esta Simon? It's like, cool. Everybody's yeah. looking cool. out. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. kind of the way it's always been until recently. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's what we wanted. We found, we found a place where we, we feel it's, it's not, it's, yeah, it's not that we've removed them from, uh, or expose them to more danger. Like, we wouldn't have stayed in the Guatemala City. We just went mm. to Guatemala City, and we were extremely uncomfortable. And we're like, let's not do that again. Couldn't, like, couldn't be there for two minutes in the park without somebody pulling on the kid's arm saying, I want to take a picture of your kid, or asking for something. And with five, it's like, oh, my gosh, we are on, like, mm. high alert. At, yeah. So, yeah. So we found somewhere calm and towny and... Yeah, it could appear unsafe, but really, I think we've designed we've designed this lifestyle for our kids. Though it appears unsafe to some people, it's actually a lot safer than what we considered it to be in Canada. Right. That the option in Canada, because a lot of people were closing themselves off in their houses, was for our kids to be on devices. And I don't think that's safe mm. for their development. Right. That this is safer. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. unfamiliar dangers get magnified uh, just because yeah. they're unfamiliar. Yeah. You know, snakes and scorpions. Oh, my God. Yeah, I, I get that in my work all the time. Like, I, I've 
done a lot of research about prehistory and that's my books are all sort of comparing prehistory to now in many ways and you get this all the time you'll have people say things like oh you know i wouldn't have wanted to live in prehistory because i I don't even know how to start a campfire and you know there are predators everywhere and it's like dude if you lived in prehistory you would know how to start a campfire right it's like saying yeah i I don't want to live in china i don't speak chinese like dude if you lived there you'd speak chinese like it's just the unfamiliar appears so threatening Mm -hmm. because it's darkness you know it's the night yeah and and a lot of what we get about this is a a dramatized version from the television of some right. caveman with some like sound in the night where they're trying to start a fire with sticks. Yeah. And, yeah. And yeah. there's nothing to eat. Everyone yeah. was always yeah. starving. Yeah. Like, uh, I don't think so. And and people like everything about life was either killing something or having sex. Like mating and killing. This is it. This yeah. is all that happened. Yeah. 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 Well, it's a it's a hunting trip, basically, <laughs> with sex added yeah. in. Yeah. yeah, we uh, we we talk about on the blog. We talk about a lot about programming and like why anybody would think that this is like as extreme as they do. Because we're just like, oh, you know, it's definitely a step in a different direction. But we don't. We have. We never felt like. Like a lot of people would say, "Oh my gosh, I can't! You're so you're so ballsy to do this. I can't! You've got guts, man!" And I was like, "This is the only way for me. To, like, it's really the only option in my mind for my kids. Mm. The, the, more ballsy would be to stay at home. In in, my in terms mind. of yeah. like more resistance. Yeah, like yeah. I, I I was yeah, it was just time to go for us, and we we definitely um." We should get back on that a little bit, just how how we landed up here. I guess is like mm. the yeah the 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 we were running the painting business in Rossland, and it was just five kids. Childcare is completely astronomical. Astronomical. I was spending so much time. He's chasing. working just to pay for childcare and sports mm. equipment mm. for our kids. And to rent the dream, is like. Right? You're yeah. still doing the painting thing? Yeah. yeah. Right. So it was just too much. And I mean, we were, we were, you know, we were not at our best in our marriage. Like we're just, you know, we do so well when we're spending time together and we're like such good friends. Saturday is our date day. That's when we met you guys. We just keep Saturday. This is sacred day of like, we find childcare and it's just our day to be friends. And we did not have the opportunity for that back home. And so it just came to the point, it was like, we're, we're losing a lot of money right now with the business and, and what we're doing. Like, why don't we try to do something that we both really like? And I mean, if we lose money doing that, then at least we're going to enjoy it. <laughs> was there a particular thing that happened that triggered that conversation? Yes, we did. A, There's a few things. And sorry, I want to add this in because yeah. we didn't talk about this, that that job that you did where our whole family was working together Christmas Eve mm-hmm. just made it to the grocery store in time to buy some Christmas dinner and the lady that you did the job for was so beyond rude just oh, over the top rude I like, didn't finish at least you got a Christmas dinner I was stuck in a hotel 
or I ate pasta in my unpainted kitchen yeah, something while like you were that. eating turkey. And I'm just like, oh, okay. So Well, we I, had our kids like vacuuming and working together. Child, child. Oh, it was nuts. Yeah, it was, it was crazy. So we were just like, it was just working. I was pregnant. I was so mad. I was like, I'm so mad right now. Like, yeah, it was just not a good situation. So there was that, that was a catalyst. That was a big um, catalyst, but it took a year from there. And then around the same time, right before Christmas, you were doing another job and the lady called you up like on Christmas holidays and said, um, I'm just a bit concerned that one of your employees was doing drugs in my house because there's a little bit of blood on the ceiling. And like, what kind of drug would that be? I don't know. It, was, it <laughs> ended up being some it. rust from a tool or something, but it was just like, it, 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 just these ridiculous these the things, problems. you know, yeah. and you know? just like, yeah. oh, why don't we do something where, where we feel like we're actually helping people. But prior to that, uh, coming up to Thanksgiving, um, I was, I was having this conversation with our second oldest Roy. Um, and he's like, dad, I, I need a scooter. I was like, oh, uh, why do you need a scooter? We just, we did a fundraiser. I helped him collect cans for a BMX. I'm like, you have a skateboard, you know, and he worked for that BMX hard and he got it. And then he's like, I need this other thing. And somebody just bought him a mountain bike and he's like, I need a scooter. I was like, dude, you have all these things. And he's like, but I know, but then if I have the scooter, like then I'll have the collect, then I'll be happy. Like then I'll have it all. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. And there I you said go. that line, I'll then I'll be all. happy. Be and I was like, Whoa. <laughs> I, I was like, we're in the van. <laughs> and I, I completely laid on the brakes. I was like, dude, I can't believe I just heard my son say that. Like how the, and I, I struggled with it. And then like a couple days later, I was in the van going somewhere and Chrissy called me and she was in tears and like, are you okay? I'll come right home. And like, she's like, no, I just watched a, a, like a commercial for a charity and I'm in. Yeah. You know, when those commercials pop up on YouTube Yeah, and, and it just hooked me somehow. It's a 19 minute commercial. Yeah. Yeah. I sat with it just sobbing, like bawling my eyes out for this commercial for charity water. And, and I was like, I'm not okay. This is not okay. Hmm. This isn't okay. So charity water is this, do you know about it at all? It's, it's, they drill wells for people, um, that don't have access to clean water Hmm. all over the world. So it's a cool, super cool charity. We knew nothing about it. I came home. I was like, okay, I'm going to come home and watch this commercial. And I watched it and I was like, Oh Yeah. I'm like, cool. No, that's yeah. I I know I know about that, and it didn't it didn't like hit home right. the way it should have. Yeah. The next day, though, Simon said something super entitled, and I was like, "You're gonna watch this commercial with me." <laughs> so I sat down and watched this commercial with them, and I start bawling. Oh, and, like, got it you just this hits time. me this because uh, I'm sitting with my son yeah. and I'm watching him watch it and seeing how detached he is from it as well, and it just. And at first, I was, like, fighting the tears for some reason. You know, you feel it, and it's like, oh, i got to be strong. Like, And then I'm like, no, it's good for my son to watch me fall apart here watching this thing. And so I cried, and I remember him, like, hugging me, and 
that was the when I'm like, I gotta do something about this. We're gonna shut. And I, this is the way I am. Chrissy's a dreamer, and I'm like action. Uh, and I was like, we're gonna fundraise for this this charity and get a, a well drilled somewhere, and that way we'll be able to like do something about the way we're feeling, you know. And we're not and, just gonna fundraise, but we're gonna shut our water off for ten days, and I'm gonna stop eating for ten days. Like, what? Okay, yeah, I did a. Cool. I, <laughs> we just had our fifth child. <laughs> You're gonna shut off the water. Ten I days, shut yeah. off the water, so everyone the experiences what it's like not to have water. Yeah. yeah. So we so we start taking these pails as a family to this. Um, we this. live a, approximately a kilometer, like maybe not that far from a spring. So we start hauling water for ten days. Do your neighbors see you doing yes. this? Yes. Yeah, I and people made... get concerned, right? Right. They're like, this is dangerous. Yeah. yeah. Actually, we yeah, people were like, the the levels of any kind of heavy metals in that in water, spring, you never know. And I'm like, we're doing it for 10 it. days, you know, like it's not. Um, and Pe- but but the, that's the question. It's not like, wow, people live with contaminated water and you're willing to risk it for 10 days. It's like, we're really concerned about your kids. Right. You need to you need to stop. Like yeah. you need to do something. Right, because yeah. you're, you're giving your, your kids, kids at risk. spring water in Canada. I, I mean, know, like as as we're hauling the water, it's so good cuz what who was it that said like what do you do before enlightenment? You chop wood and haul water. What mm. do you do after enlightenment? You chop, chop wood, and wood and haul water. water. Yeah. And we're hauling water and I'm like we can't even try and put ourselves in people's shoes because we are in a pristine perfect environment this water is this clean. water it's not is muddy clean. there's no right. pigs drinking out of it there's right. no lineup to get water right it's maybe a kilometer from our house right and was... and it's actually been the best thing that's ever happened to our family because we're going out for walks i mean we do have a video of our Five-year-old Faye, she's screaming pushing a wagon at, with the water. She's like, she's like, I barely. hate you! I hate you! <laughs> she's like, you guys are the worst parents ever. Do you even care about me? How could you do this to me? Do you care? Do you, you don't care love about me? me? Yeah. yeah, you don't love me. Uh, yeah. So it was. <laughs> so wait, when you say, "Would okay." Lots of interesting things here. First of all, you being kind of a hard ass and not yeah, whatever the first time. And then you said you saw your son being detached from it emotionally. Mm-hmm. And that's what moved you. Was it because you realized that you were modeling emotional detachment to your son? Uh, that's a, that's such that's, a good question. That's a great question because I am a, I'm a really emotional person. Like Peru, Latin America, like it's a very... Um, and I also, I, my, my sister died when I was really young and death and all this stuff was like just very, very, uh, I was very in touch. I've been very in touch. I consider myself very in touch with just emotional stuff. Hmm. And so I never really felt that way. Um, but I guess that moment was a realization of like, no, I need to be more, more real with my kids, you know, not just being this like dad you know you're not just yeah and I think the realization that it's not just it's not just us raising our kids that the emotional detachment can come from all of society our community right 
that we need to move our kids out of an emotionally detached society. Mm-hmm. That's not a full judgment either. There's great, great people oh, back home. We of love our community. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Absolutely love our community. That's not why we left it. Yeah. Yeah, but it's true that different societies encourage different kinds of approaches to Canadians life. Canadians are really cold. Yeah. Yeah. Canadians are cold until they're not. And when I was living in Vancouver, I was amazed at how violent shit got on weekend nights. When they when people were out drinking, I yeah, street yeah, fights. Yeah. Like yeah. what the fuck, man? Yeah. Like people coming out of bars and hockey, like what is up with hockey? And (laughs) it's like, it's this weird kind of like everything's cool until it, you know, tipping point and then all hell breaks loose. I think that's the state of the world right now though. Like it's just like, everyone's ready to snap. Everybody's cool until they're not. And until like, until some really, some really essential comforts are taken away and, back to the water thing when we've shut off our water and we're doing that we notice like well we had to control our laundry because we're like okay each of you kids you get two two pairs of pants and two shirts and then we're going to wash them in a bucket and they're like when we uh, but seeing how how on the edge we were of um you know just our our comforts were so limited there was like this this new help me out here it's just this new like everybody's ready to snap at any point because these comforts are taken away mm. and there's like a margin for error that's removed yeah yeah you know like so you felt that in the family dynamic yeah yeah right. like and i was on edge because i wasn't eating too so that was like <laughs> That was. I just wanted to be as extreme. We wanted to raise. We $10, needed to break something though yeah. in us. Like we we felt like we needed to do so, something extreme enough to shift something for right. us. Mm-hmm. I want to just make a quick announcement. There's somebody with a bullhorn out there. I don't, I don't know how loud it is for you guys, but I'm hearing it in the headphones. I hope it's not distracting people. But. If you're listening to this and you're hearing some voice in the background that's coming through the podcast, it's not in your world. I'm always like sometimes a siren will yeah. go by and I imagine someone driving down the road listening to the podcast and they think there's an ambulance <laughs> yeah. behind them. And all right, one time I was I was on a podcast, I think it was with Rogan, and we started talking about joking about um, SIRI, you know, the Apple thing. Yeah. And we were saying it. And it turned, and then people wrote in like, oh. "Dude, you messed up my phone! It, everything started going crazy when you guys were talking That's about amazing. that." Amazing. <laughs> so yeah. You get this weird consciousness. Yeah. Um, you so you have this shift, Owen, from yeah, whatever. Okay, I'm trying to relate to this commercial because. My wife was affected by it, but I'm not really feeling it. Then you're there with the, your son. You're feeling it because you're seeing it through his eyes and maybe realizing something that's transmitting through you to him that you're not happy about. Then you decide, go the other direction. We're going to like turn off the water and I'm going to fast for 10 days. Mm-hmm. When you heard this, Christine? Christina, yeah. Christina, did you think... 
this fucking guy's crazy? Or did you think, that's why I love this guy? Or, Neither. like, I'm Neither. down? No, it was pretty neutral. It was like, okay. we've been married for, what, like, how long by then? Five kids. I was just kind of like, <laughs> okay. Sure, like, honey. I'm not going to eat like, for ten days. It's like, okay. <laughs> no, like, there was no, like, and everybody else, I'm like, and then I'm hearing everybody else's reaction to me saying that. It's like, no, oh, are, you, are, you, are you crazy? Like, and you're going to be hauling water? And you know what? It's for anybody listening. It's not that extreme. Like once you get into it, it's actually really good for you to take these. I I got right into reading about fasting and all this cellular regeneration that happens and all this great stuff. Yeah, 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 it is really good for you. Yeah, and so what was that like though? The first day or two must have sucked. Okay, so the first three days were crazy. <laughs> this is my favorite part to tell. On day seven, when I haven't had a bowel movement in, in you know, four or five days, day seven, I'm driving down the road. I'm going to work, actually. And oh, you're still working. Yeah, I was still working. Actually, work was the best thing for me through that because I was able to take my mind off of the way I was, you know, my pel- belly was feeling. But I, I, um, I just feel I'm like driving and I feel this little toot coming down the down the pipe and I go, go to go to fart and I just crap my pants. I'm like, what? Where did like, that how, come from? How I haven't eaten in seven days and it's just like, and it's whatever like toxins your all that water because I'm drinking so much water during the day too. No juice, just no water. Water it was just it was strictly water. Spring water, yeah, straight from the bucket. So yeah. detoxifying. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And uh, and I'm just like, oh my goodness. And so I turn around, go home. I've got no water. And I oh, to no... wash your shitty pants. Uh-huh. Oh. And he's so got no other like... clothes. <laughs> It was real. I had to. I had to go. I, so this, I, I was in the vehicle. So I cheated. Where I had to. I had to drive. I drove to the spring. Grabbed the water. Oh yeah, because he was like, "We're gonna walk to haul water." Yeah. Oh, like, you can't like, take just, the truck. No, right. I wanted Very to, Yeah, I wanted to relate to the people that actually. That was the whole exercise. Was like we got to. And like, you're thinking, I'm it. never showing him another fucking commercial. <laughs> oh <laughs> yeah, it's it. like finally, you know, we need to break through something here because I just feel so stuck in something that I don't want to be a part of. Yeah. I. Have you felt that? Like, was that something you felt at other times in your life? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Have you always felt it? I think it goes back to living in Baker Lake. That that experience as a child, I think, kind of set me up for always feeling, you know, you're in this culture, society, but you don't really feel completely part of it. And you there's something in you that really wants to break free from it. And... And, and maybe that could just be something of my generation as well. I don't know if it's just a me thing or a generational thing where I don't like it. I don't like the way North American culture is. I don't like the way um, global culture is right now. This consumer, consumer-based happiness, like where it's like, oh, going back to what my son said, you know, like if then I'll then I'll be happy. It's like. Oh, you are fully, you are fully depending on that rush of buying something new to be happy for a little while. And then it fades and then it's, 
Yeah. The next You're on the wheel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So, so we finished that. We did. We managed to raise. We didn't make our ten thousand U.S. goal, but we raised ten thousand mm-hmm. Canadians. So we kind of close enough. Yeah, yeah, close enough. It was. So how did so, you do that? Raising uh, that money. It was just <laughs> through a campaign through Charity Water. People donate directly to your campaign, but it goes directly to. And was water. was your was this part of the campaign? Like, hey, we're we've turned off our water for ten. Was it ten days? Yeah, it's just and a, I'm not eating. And yeah, it was a social media like this is what we're doing, like a walkathon or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So oh, and reached out to every single contact in our list. I think that we've ever known on Facebook, and was like, please donate to this. And hmm. That's really some cool. people did. And yeah. We had a lot of people get involved. I think there was over, I don't know, over 60 or 70 people that donated in the end. And um, yeah, it was just so cool to see, uh, bring my personal or our personal community together to like be part of a cause. And mm. so when, it, when we're done and turned on the water again, Chrissy was like, I don't want to turn on the water. It wasn't like, yes, we get to turn on the water. It was like a painful thing to turn that valve back mm, on like a surrender yeah I'm like oh back to this it's like we were almost free <laughs> i felt that when anya and i were talking about that the other night we live in this place called topanga or we did at the time and uh the big malibu fires were happening and we were evacuated we didn't know each other at the time but both of us had the same feeling which was 10 days we don't know if our house is still there and when it turned out that both our houses were still there, both of us were disappointed. You know, mm-hmm. it's yeah. like, shit, I was kind of looking yeah. forward to not having that stuff. Yeah. You know, uh, clean slate. Yeah. Totally. And what am I really losing? I'm losing a bunch of clothes You're I don't wear. Free. Yeah. 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 And I, I felt the same thing. I got robbed. I've been robbed a few times over the years traveling. And every time it ended up being a really good thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, the whole reason I lived in Spain 20 years was because I got robbed in Barcelona and I had to wait to get a new passport. And while I was waiting for the new passport, somebody offered me a job and I I looked up this dude I had met in Mexico years earlier and he showed me around and we went hiking in the Pyrenees and we became friends. And he was like, hey, you know, you should hang out. I know this. You can stay at my friend's house. 20 years later, I'm still living there. My whole life pivoted because that guy stole my fucking bag while I was on the Rumblas the first night in Barcelona in 1989. Good thing, bad yeah. thing, eh? This just yeah. happened to us something similar <clears throat> on our way back from Antigua. We're taking the chicken buses with our kids and and we lose two bags on the chicken bus. Our shoes like six pairs of shoes and our laundry. Yeah. <laughs> and we're on the bus and we're both just sitting there like this for a few minutes, knowing, knowing that we have like probably five more minutes to be mad about it. And then it's like, no, we've got to show an example to our kids of, you know, this is the best thing that ever happened to us. Yeah. And, and it's so cool. Cause our oldest knows that. Oh, well I told our five year old, I'm like, your shoes are gone. She's like, <laughs> Never liked those shoes. Exactly. That's what she said. She's really? like, I didn't like those shoes. Anyway. That's so she's been set free. That's yeah. great. And and our kids, Simon's like, let's just let's just say a prayer, guys. 
just a blessing for whoever gets that those things that it would be yeah. a really good thing for them. And I'm like, that's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. That we just, it's your perception. This is, this is kind of what we said about COVID with our family is we're going to choose for this to be the best thing that ever happened to us. And we're going to design our lives around that. So if, if the business is slowing down because, because of COVID, we're going to, we're going to pivot. Yeah, 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 we're going to work with that and turn it into the best thing that ever happened to us. So which brings us back to the decision to leave Canada, yeah. right? Yeah. So you're having these bad experiences at work. You're working your ass off for people who aren't appreciating the effort. Yeah. The and money isn't working. You're like sliding downhill while you're trying to climb uphill. Your kids are like, I need a scooter. <laughs> <laughs> Shit's starting to pile up. It sounds like yeah, that's the stress load. And then we're like, let's do like I said, let's do something that we both are like. Chrissy's an artist, and she was like, I think you should start writing. I I've always enjoyed anything that you write, and um, like I I play music, and but writing has been something that I've always wanted to do. So I'm like, okay, well, let's let's do that. And so we. She started, I started making this website and putting her art up on it, and then I start writing, and, you know, that was just the start of, um, and I'm learning all this, like, because we started the website from scratch, and learning all this web design stuff, and just, all, we're like, okay, what, how, how many different streams of income can we set up, and we did a whole bunch that were fairly unsuccessful and even the blog or google ads or just weren't getting any traffic and, this is and this when is, you'd already decided to yeah leave? this is in in canada where mm-hmm. um but at, at the same time it's like oh we're only a couple months in this takes time and this is um so we're just like we're just gonna go and you know we had um you know, people would say, oh, you're so lucky to be able to do this. And it's like, well, we have, we have five kids and like a couple grand to our name and we're just going to go and just going to like, I remember (laughs) someone saying to me, well, that's nice that you guys have a savings that you can white privilege. And I'm like, what's a savings? Yeah, people That's will see a novel that as, idea. Again, people will see that as irresponsible. Like, oh, you moved your family without like a bunch of money in the bank, and it's like, no. We're, that's kind of I think with the giving experiment, we're like starting this um, these kids clubs and cleaning up trash, and that's what it's evolved into. And there's this idea that you have to have everything figured out before you start yeah you start doing anything like that it's like oh i'll i'll start helping the world when you know when i have a hundred grand in the bank or a million dollars then i'll it's like if you don't give a percentage when you have ten dollars you're not going to give a percentage when you have a million in fact you're much less likely the more you've accumulated Mm -hmm. to give any of it away totally Mm -hmm. tons of research showing that yeah that's interesting eh? yeah so so we're just like let's just do this let's just jump in and and go with it and so um we got here and we didn't know what we were going to do we're just like we're going to volunteer and then we saw the trash and we started working with these two sisters they were helping us with childcare, and we started talking to them about plastics and they got really excited and we formed a committee and this 
Kids for a Better San Juan group is being born out of it, where we provide a meal for the kids when they come, and we go and pick up plastic off the beach, and then do like art crafts with it and stuff. Did I so read that you, ultimately you want to make like plastic bricks for uh-huh. building material? Yeah, that is the goal. We just set up the GoFundMe for the the recycling plant. Um, so that's like the end goal of just like growing those groups and you know we collect all this plastic but we don't have anywhere to anything to do with it yet so the goal is to start dumping all this plastic that we get with these groups uh, at the end so it doesn't just go to the landfill and yeah start building building sweet colorful houses out of garbage oh there's just so much you can do with plastic there was um one of the days when we went to this this beach near our house and then we went back the following week and as I was p- picking up plastic, I just, these questions, you know, start flowing through your mind and one of them was, are we too late? Like, are we too late? Is, is there just too much? That's just, the question everyone's asking, I yeah. think, on and the I whole planet. and I think it paralyzes people. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, we're just too late. It's kind of like the bookend of what you were saying. On the one side, people think, I can't do anything until I prepare everything and anticipate every problem. And then you get to the other end where it's like, ah, oh, it's too late. I missed Why it. Why bother? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great observation. Like people feel that way in their personal lives. Yeah. Like, oh, I'll travel when I'm older. And then you get older and you say, mm, I should have traveled when I was My younger. My knees are sore. Yeah. 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 So this question is, you know, it's, it's debilitating. It's, are we too late? And, and then these other questions, it's like, but what if this is the best thing that ever happened to us? And what if all this plastic is just this most amazing resource? Like, what if we change our mind about plastic? And we stop thinking of it as this problem and we start thinking of it as an opportunity. And mm. then I'm looking around, I'm like, whoa, we've just been gifted. You know, I've, I've thought about it as a curse for so long from, you know, just what we get to inherit, what we get to inherit for our children. And I think that's why it's so important to be bringing children out because this is their inheritance. This is what they get. And looking at it as something positive. But look, guys, we've been given this gift just right here in front of us like the sand on the beach it's there with it let's harvest it yeah let's harvest it and let's make something with it maybe we don't need to cut down trees so much anymore maybe we can use this plastic mm. that's going to be around for however <laughs> you know, a really long down. time it doesn't break down very right. quickly it's a really good building material right and when you mix it with cement you can turn it into roads and and they mm. last better than the cement roads and mm. and there's something really beautiful that can be done here and so i'm starting to get more and more excited and it's like what if this is the best thing that ever happened to us i think it could be potentially you guys are really good at that, at, at reframing, mm. right? Looking at something and saying, okay, look at it from this perspective. It looks totally different in a way that's much more useful mm. psychologically or practically. You have to. Yeah. <laughs> because, you know, I, I thought, well, you know, like, if what, what, if, what if we're too late? What if the world is just going to come to an end? And then I'm like, oh, 
crap, you know, that would be the easy way out. What if it's not? Mm. And in another year from now, we're still looking at this plastic here. Mm. And in another year. What's that line? I think it's Confucius or something that the best time to have planted a tree is 20 years ago. And the second best time is now. Yeah. 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 Hmm. Yeah. What if the world isn't coming to an end? What if all those movies that Hollywood put out were wrong? That the big waves aren't going to crash in on us? Well, I guess we better get to work, guys. Mm. Let's just let's just start picking up the trash. We try and teach our kids, you know, it's so hypocritical. You guys need to clean up your toys. Almost like a shameful thing, like mm. they haven't done it yet. Mm. It's like, well, let's let's model that. Let's right. get out there and let's do it with them and Yeah. Yeah. So no need to answer this question if it's too personal, but I keep thinking how this whole project orbits around your marriage and how, you know, you mentioned that before you left Canada, you weren't in the best place and you've got Saturdays for yourselves um, and you weren't able to do that for a while because of the work pressures and all that and the financial pressure. I just wonder, you you seem to be so thoughtful and intentional about the way you do things. Are Clearly, you also are thoughtful and intentional about maintaining your relationship. Mm. Are there things that you're willing to share? I mean, aside from Saturday being date day or... Um, you must have boundaries. You must, I mean, five kids, that's chaos. You must. Boundaries. (laughs) What are boundaries? So Owen, Owen's had, had, uh, these two really cute beds made for our daughters that are about, you know, as long as our daughters. Yeah. They're like four feet. Yeah. And he's like, our kids are going to start sleeping in their own beds. Mm. Yeah. What everyone's in one bed well, at this no, point. We so, have we have two small bedrooms. Like this is this is an important picture of like moving to Guatemala. Our property that we're renting on is beautiful. Our house is this tiny two bedroom. Like you have it to was go the gardener's quarters. Mm. So so it's it's extremely small. The roof leaks and like it's a it's um you know for the first two months we cooked on a one burner stove like talk about throwing our kids into it like there's seven of us and we're like cooking eggs and the priorities of coffee eggs uh, you know toasting bread on the stove burner like all this stuff is like and uh so it's it's small and there's one bunk bed and then I turned this outdoor furniture I made a table that can butt up against this like couch to turn into a bed with some like mats straw mats on it and then I I was like okay we're still short a couple beds how do we so I went to the carpenters got these like little four foot beds made for the girls thinking they were gonna love them and they yeah I sleep in one of them now (laughs) (laughs) that's the (laughs) you sleep in a four foot bed sleep in a four foot bed it's just like it's just how the progression of all of that was like with one or two of our kids yeah Yeah. it's tiny and it just lands up being it's just the way like all the kids land up gravitating towards mom she's the cornerstone of the the just goes back to uh, 
I just want to mention it because it was a thought I had of like women um, being so much more dependent on their children's emotions because they are the source of nutrients like mother's milk giving this child nurturing this child if there's something wrong with the child there's this attachment that men can can only like imagine but we don't have that kind of that direct like they're feeding you know the children so I can only watch and imagine what that feels like and that responsibility and but that's how it works in phases too though I think the father's role becomes more important as the kids get older, mm. especially the boys. Well, both, both in different ways. Yeah. But I remember my father, I remember my father saying to me, you know, you never interested me as a baby. <laughs> that was all your mom. Yeah. I was interested in you when you started being able to have a conversation. Uh, yeah. And then I remember my relationship with my father became primary because mm. we would have these conversations and he took me seriously. You know, whereas mom, I was always mom's little boy. I still am. Yeah. Whereas with my dad, there was this feeling of like, we're a couple of dudes. We're buds. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. he cares what I have to say and he's not looking at me. Not that my mother was insulting, but just like, I will always be her baby. Whereas with him, I think there was a space where we could be friends in a different way. Yeah. That's your, Yeah. You're right. So we've we've co-slept with all the kids, um, and so there's just been this gravitation of like they always. Well, I'm not as hairy as you are, right? So, <laughs> so good thing or bad? Well, no, just why they why they sleep with me? Yeah, yeah. They like oh, except just, like, well, it's not that cold down here, right? Yeah. If you were up in the Arctic, they'd be all over him. Yeah. Well, the eczema kids are like, Dad's too itchy. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, it's it's an amazing thing having you know the the night time, and not getting sleep is like the least of my worries. With I, I, it's something that we're so used to now with the kids and those beds are, you know, we'll look at them a year or two from now and it'll just be a good experience. Right now it sucks, but it'll be. A, you can't like join them together somehow and well, form one of those headers. Yeah, those headers on them. Mm-hmm. Oh well. Um, how are you guys financing this? You come down here with a couple thousand bucks. You're just like... So right now we're, we're totally dependent on like individual donations. We have a plan of setting up, uh, setting up as a, like a, what is it, a non-government uh, NGO. But we want to do the year to see how it goes and make mm-hmm. sure we're... But... Um, so we can't, I sent off like a ton of emails to like Toyota Canada and I had all these ideas of, um, and they're like, obviously if we're not tax benefit, right? Uh, so, so it's a big no from everybody. Everybody's super into what we're doing. I've, I've had a couple of emails back and forth to different companies that are like, well, yeah, we're super supportive, but we can't type things. So it's just individuals, um, at this point. And I'm building a very cheap, but well-planned out tree house to Airbnb to finance oh, it in the future. Right. So that's that I was telling you a bit about it earlier. Right. That's part of the plan to like make itself sustainable. But for the moment we're, we're just reaching out to people we know and, um, that's that's the way we're running it. There's a donation link on the website. And What's the website? Thegivingexperiment.com. 
thegivingexperiment.com, and you're also on social media. We are, yeah. As the giving experiment. Instagram is the.giving.experiment, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's cool. I, I suspect that people listening to this... Um, you know, some of them are going to come to Atitlan, Lake Atitlan. I, um, in the last episode, I mentioned the place that we were staying at before, um, which was an Airbnb. And the guy wrote to me last night and said, I've already had three or four people, uh, book the place, uh, from the podcast. So they're coming to Atitlan. So hopefully those people... Uh, we'll come and see you guys and see what you're doing. And other people who can't make the trip will throw a few bucks your way and uh, jump in and be a part of it. Yeah, yeah definitely. It's it's always it's always you know like we were talking about hesitation that stops us from doing things that we want to do. One of them that I keep running into is you want to you want to sort of uh, give some money to somebody or to some organization, but you don't know if you're getting ripped off, Mm. right? You always hear about these, you know, the CEO is skimming 40% off the top or, you know, some bullshit. Um, So I really like having people on the podcast who are at ground level. So if somebody wants to help, they know they're helping you and that I sat in a room with you and, Mm. you know, totally vetted you and you, you know, you're not scam artists hanging out in San Juan trying to, rip off the podcast audience world (laughs) yeah no it's uh it's it's real we're we're here and we're uh it's it's just a fun it's a really you know it's a fun project that is as simple as it gets right now we pick up garbage like that's it Mm. and there's a vision for it and and feed feed the kids yeah yeah yeah. that's i mean that's a huge element that when we started the committee the cook out in the committee was like you guys uh, don't even know how big this is. Most kids only get one meal a day here, and that you guys are putting an extra meal on for these parents of these kids is a huge deal. And you know, you, you see the poverty, but it doesn't really sink in how, how you know the lack of nutrition and all right. of that. So right. we're, we're really excited to be part of. You know, we don't do a whole lot on it other than the fundraising. These girls that are running it, you know, they're hands-on. They they are calling the shots and saying where we go clean up and what we do. We install a garbage can, too. That's been a little bit of a fail because they keep getting broken. But we'll, we'll figure those kinks out. Yeah. The garbage cans get broken? Yeah, yeah, I think dogs get into them. Like uh, we've yeah. got them chained up, so I think the dogs kind of knock them over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Huh. But we're figuring it out. You know, it's we don't have it figured out. That's the fun thing to admit to people is like that's the beauty here. of an experiment. Yeah, yeah, and being on an adventure together. I mean, I'm getting back to the whole marriage relationship yeah, get, thing. That's I know it's stressful as hell, but there's also something. You're both obviously romantics at heart hmm. you know uh <laughs> like, let, let it be noted they yeah. looked at each other yeah. strangely <laughs> maybe I'm, you are i'm uh, like yeah. <laughs> i i think you know him growing up in peru and more of a latin culture me growing up in the yeah. far north in a very cold culture yeah, yeah Chrissy's I, like, cold. I think the I'm first warm. time he bought me flowers i was like what are you doing 
Yeah, but also think about the other the story you told earlier. You watch the commercial, you cry. He's like, action, let's yeah. do something about this. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you're obviously a really good team. It's, yeah. yeah. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. I mean, the, we're, our friendship is something that we have always guarded and put first. And, and you know, even when we were on the ski hill, like finding days to just go out together Mm. Um, it wasn't happening often but those date days or date hours or 20 minutes or whatever to that's a secret to reconnect in spite Mm. of it's like don't talk about bills let's not talk about uh you know like the kids um you know needs or anything let's just get to know each other again and and, you know laugh and Mm. talk about some light stuff and I think um, those problems are always going to be there. It's important to be able to shift them to the back burner and just a nice saucy pot there in the front once right. in a while. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I've told this story a couple times and people hear it, I think, in a way that I don't. But I can remember when I was a young teenager and I was, get, I was really unhappy. And this is why I asked you earlier if you've always felt this alienation, because I've always felt it. And as a teenager, it made me really angry. Mm -hmm. Like, I didn't, like, why am I born into this society that I don't respect? Yeah. And that doesn't respect the things that I think are sacred. And I just always felt like, what the fuck is going on? Like, I'm on the wrong side of a war here, you know? And, um... So I was an angry teenager and I remember I was giving my mother shit about something and my father came home and we went for a walk and he said, um, I think he sensed that I was trying to split them. And he said, like, listen, I love you. I unconditionally, but I love your mother more. And that comforted me. Hmm. Hmm. You know, and I think people hear that story and they think, man, your dad was an asshole. Like, why would he say that? But I understood that what he was saying is the marriage is first. You came after and we're really happy that you came, but you wouldn't exist without this. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. 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 I think uh, never underestimating how vulnerable it is. That um, the marriage, the marriage, yeah, the relationship, always being being fighting for it, you know, that's what, yeah, we are doing, um, fighting for it, and it's so it's so pleasing to watch your partner fight for you and to do things to just remind you that you're important and that you're you're number one, and yeah, like you're saying, that's cool. Mm. Yeah, and you're, I mean, you're also introducing what most people would consider to be stressors. Mm. You're inviting stress. You've already got all the stress, right? Five kids, financial issues. Now you've, you're in a foreign environment. Mm. Your roof leaks, you know? Yeah, I think for us, we, we also started asking, you know, Let's choose our hard. Hmm. It's going to be hard either way. Five kids, one Hmm. kid, no kids. It's going to be hard. Yeah. 
Yeah, you know? we read some article about choosing your heart. It's like divorce is hard. Marriage is hard. Right. Being fat is hard. Being super, you know, cut and, and going to the gym every day, that's hard too. Like, what right. hard do you want to choose? Right. Let's just design our hard. Yeah. Yeah. Having a roof leak is, appears hard. It's hard. But, you know, you throw the blankets in the dryer. Right. Yeah. It was well, we didn't have a dryer when we first got here. Yeah, yeah we, we didn't have one. Yeah, was... yeah. <laughs> a dryer is yeah. important in oh, a rainforest. Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh man, gosh. we took it for granted in Canada. Yeah. Which is good to go without. Well, listen, you two. Thank you so much for this. This is really inspirational. Thank, thank you. you for having us. Yeah. Yeah. No, we're trying to tell everybody about what we're doing. We go on those little boats, and we're like the giving experiment and just having anybody like having you say let's do a podcast it's like yes this is awesome so thank you for the exposure and yeah we're just we're stoked to meet you as well yeah cool well i hope people send you hundreds of thousands of canadian dollars amazing (laughs) (laughs) all right the giving experiment uh, dot com is the blog. You can find everything about these guys there, including photos of their beautiful kids. Some really great photos on there. And one shout out to a listener of yours, Solange, who told me about you, and that's how I knew about your orange pants. Because, <laughs> because I looked you up on Instagram and I saw your orange pants. Oh man, did we tell reason. like the full story about how we had just gotten off the boat and we were going oh, to get changed? No, no, you didn't tell us. To flip a story. coin as to whether we were going to meet you or not? Right, because we were having that get together Saturday yeah, night. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. But, and you guys don't listen to the podcast. You haven't read the books. You had no idea who I was until Solange was like oh this guy whatever this guy you've gotta you've gotta go it would be cool she said it'd be cool if you went just for for me just that to tell me that you met him and I was like okay I'll uh, and then I saw that it was the very next day and I was like oh I'm not I'm not gonna go it's like today this date day I'm not going oh right we're on the boat and like uh, Solange told me about this guy yesterday and Chrissy's like well maybe you should go flip a coin we we do that a lot with our decisions a lot of our big decisions are based on a coin (laughs) oh really (laughs) then we don't have anyone to blame if it goes south like if if it's a 50-50 thing it's like okay let's flip that coin and so there's good relationship advice right there totally have a coin on you at all times right yeah so you didn't have a coin but we didn't so maybe you don't need one on you. You couldn't just times. do like a rock, paper, scissors totally. or something? We do yeah. that a lot too. Yeah. <laughs> we do that for diaper changing actually. <laughs> yeah. Right on. Yeah. Saw your orange <laughs> pants. We were about to get changed to like figure out whether we were going and I passed your orange pants. And like, Chris. Uh, yep. There it is. Destiny. Destiny. <laughs> well, that's why I actually wore these pants to visit a friend of mine, Jake Johansson, and he was like, and he, he kept whispering to his wife, and she would like look at my pants and nod, and I would say saying that. And it was like, "What are you, are you guys talking about my pants?" He's like, "Well, I just really like those pants." <laughs> it's like you want my pants. 
You actually want? He's like, I, I, yeah, he wants. So I gave him my pants. Luckily, I had some sweatpants in the car, and I went out and was like, all right, here are my damn pants. Wash. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah. So I want to be known as a guy who'll give you the pants right off his ass. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. All right, awesome. thegivingproject.com. The giving experiment. Oh, shit, I can't. <laughs> people, people, people call it the project yeah. a lot. Givingexperiment.com. Thegivingexperiment.com. I hope you enjoyed that episode of Tangentially Speaking. If you did, if this podcast brings value to your life, I hope you'll consider supporting it financially, either through my website, tangentiallyspeaking.com, Uh, where you can make a one-time donation or sign up for a monthly subscription as low as five bucks a month, which gets you access to all the eBooks and uh, video Roma that I record pretty much every month. If people ask me questions uh, and other bonus materials Um, and also keep in mind that this is one of the only podcasts that you listen to, I would bet that doesn't have commercials almost all the time. Very rarely do I use commercials and I never just accept commercials from a commercial broker or someone, you know, I get emails all the time, people saying, oh, let me monetize your podcast. No, thanks. So if you enjoy this podcast, if it brings value to you, I hope you'll consider supporting it financially. The introductory music is called Bright Side of the Sun. It's by Basin and Range. And now I will turn you over to my mom and the great Carsey Blanton singing Smoke Alarm. Okay, Mom, uh, tell people what they can order from the garage. Okay, in our cottage garage, we have lots and lots of T-shirts. Sex at Dawn, Civilized to Death, Vanthropology, Tangentially Speaking, Paleo Modern, and Talking Out of My Ass. (laughs) She didn't like saying that last one. Then we now have some new things added. We've got beer cozies, or koozies, or whatever they're called. Oh, civilized to death design. They're all civilized That's right. to death. We have stickers and car decals, right? Yes. Okay, there you have it. That's Julie, my mom. He said, baby, what's a big deal? Feel what you want to feel. Say what you want to say. You're gonna die one day For example, I could kiss you Just because I want to What's the difference if you turn away? I'm gonna die one day Why do you waste your time Thinking about your reputation Trying to meet an expectation Wondering what they're gonna say Running from a confrontation Wondering what we ought to 
Dance into the ground 